I'll just tell you what. I am thankful for the gospel. Y'all know that? Like, I, I really am. I'm thankful for the gospel. And one of the reasons I'm thankful for the gospel, actually, like, the biggest reason I'm thankful for the gospel is because the gospel is good news for those that are messed up. It's good news for those that don't have it all together. It's good news for those that, that just know that they're not perfect. And sometimes we have this idea that, that the gospel or that church or that being a Christian is for those that have everything together and have all their life fixed up just perfectly. But that's not what the gospel is for. The gospel is good news for people who do not have it all together. And that makes me really excited about the gospel. Because I don't know about you, but I don't always have it all together. And I'm sure if we're honest, you don't always have it all together. And so the gospel is really good news. And so that's the reason that I'm thankful for the gospel. Because my works don't save. Jesus saves. Nothing we do saves us. It's all that Jesus has done. Despite our sin. Despite the many numbers of our sin. Not just the one sin does Jesus forgive. Not just that one mess up Jesus forgives. It's every repeated sin Jesus forgives us. Because the more we sin, the more God's grace covers our sin. And I'm thankful for that. Because if it weren't for the grace of God, we would have no hope. We'd have no eternal life. We'd have no forgiveness. We'd live life without God, without hope in this world. And so I am incredibly thankful for the gospel. Because the more we sin, the more God's grace covers our sin. In other words, it's okay that you're not okay because God is in the process of making you new. He is in the process of transforming you. And so it's okay that you're not okay. That's kind of the qualification for being a Christian, that you're not okay, that you're not perfect, that you're a sinner. But guess what? If you realize you're a sinner today, if you realize that you're not perfect, if you look around, you'll see that everybody in the room's in the same boat you are. So welcome to the club. Welcome to the family. God is in the process of making all of us new. He's in the process of transforming us. And the good news about the grace of the gospel, though, can sometimes have a misunderstanding. I was talking to a guy named Reggie a few years ago down at Lake Jacksonville. And I was, I was talking with Reggie. Uh, we were talking about the gospel, and he was like, wait, so you're saying that I can keep doing my drugs, I can keep sleeping around with my lady, and I can just get a free pass to heaven? And I said, well, let's talk about that a second, because that's a really good question, Reggie. Um, I want you to know, Reggie, technically, God's grace will cover every one of your sins, but you need to understand that when Jesus said, believe the gospel, he also said, turn from your sin. And so that doesn't mean that you won't be forgiven, it just means that God's going to give you new hopes and new desires. He's going to transform you and give you a new life. And so if you decide to follow Christ, if you trust Jesus, He's going to, over time, change your desires to where you're not going to want to just do those drugs. You're not going to just want to be running around and doing all these things. You're going to want to serve the Lord. He's like, well, I'm not ready for that yet. I say, well, I, I get that. That's understandable. Can I just pray with you? So I did. You see, that's a misconception that not just unbelievers have. Sometimes we as Christians have that same misconception, don't we? That, well, since I'm saved by grace, it doesn't really matter what I do in life. Because I'll always be forgiven. And yeah, if you're saved, guess what? You will. You will be forgiven. That's the greatness of God's grace. You will be forgiven. But sometimes we think that this grace that we receive allows us to continue in sin. 
That's a serious misconception we have. A misunderstanding of God's grace. That we, we, since we're saved by grace, have this free pass to just sin and do whatever we want. Or, or sometimes, we're like that kid who was told they can't have a cookie. And they go up to the cookie jar and they're just looking back the whole time. Just seeing if their mom's going to catch them. And then they go and they're touching the cookie jar. And they lift the lid and they're still looking. And they're sticking the hand in and they're touching the cookie. And they start to bring it out. And then, Stephen, what are you doing? I said, no cookies before dinner. That close. Sometimes we try to see just how close we can get to the line without crossing over so that we can say we're good. You see, sometimes we have this misunderstanding of grace that we just have this free pass to sin. But other times, the reason this gospel is good news is because some of us aren't just looking for a free pass to sin. Some of us, we're extremely burdened by our sin and by the effects of our sin. Some of us are extremely burdened by just the fact that we live in a world where sin dominates the culture around us. It dominates even sometimes in our own lives and in our own homes. And we know that the consequences of sin is death, which includes, yes, physical death and spiritual death. But we can even see the, the effects, the curse of sin in our everyday relationships, where relationships are, are t- tore apart and are broken where, where we are filled with sorrow and despair because of the pain that we experience or the things that we experience in our life, that the cage of despair and hopelessness traps us in like a caged bird and we feel like we can't get out of it, where we have this stress and this anxiety because we're working as hard as we can to provide the best life that we can and we still seem to somehow barely have enough to get by and so we we're we're stressed and we're faced with all the the anxiety and and the fear of death and the fact that the more you grow and the older you get the fact that your body doesn't work like it used to and that tends to get you down as well and guess what all those things all those things are burdens that are a result of sin that are a result of living in a broken world And so some of us need to know today that things will get better because of the gospel. And now understand what I mean by that. I don't mean our our situation will change. That'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? In some cases that our situation changes. But that's not always the case. We still have to live in this world that is broken by sin. But God, when He saves us, transforms us, which means that we're going to have new perspective on things. Our situation may not change, but our perspective of that situation will. So our perspective will change. Our desires change. Our hope changes. We're given more strength to persevere and undergo all the things that we face. And so whether you're here and you're struggling with wondering, well, do I really need to give up this sin? Or you're struggling because you are burdened by the weight of sin. I want you to understand today that the gospel is great news because God died. He sent his son to die for you to give you a new life, a transformed life. Paul, when he's looking at this passage, he's talking all about this new life that we have in Romans in chapter six, verse, well, the whole chapter, the whole chapter, Romans in chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, you can look at one in the pew in front of you. It's on page 886. Page 886, if you want to follow along with us. But what's going on in this passage is 
All throughout the book of Romans, Paul has been talking about the grace of God in Jesus Christ and how we're saved not by our works. We're saved by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's all of grace, his favor, his gift that he has given us that we receive through faith. Not based on what we've done, but based on what he's done, what Jesus has done for us. And that reality brought some objections. You see, the religious leaders of that day would bring objections against Paul's teachings because they believed that what Paul was teaching would enable people to sin more. And over the years, others have taken this gospel to mean that, yeah, I got a free pass to sin. I got a license to sin. I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter because I'm covered by the grace of God. And what Paul here is in this passage basically says is that's nonsense. It's contradictory. That it really doesn't make sense logically with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for someone to say that grace leads to more sin, Paul says that just makes no sense. And he tells us why. He tells us in the passage, God reveals to us in this passage, that God's grace doesn't lead to more sin. God's grace leads to transformation. God's grace leads to transformation, not sin. And so let's look together. Uh, in the Pew Bible, it's on page 886. But we're going to look at Romans in chapter 6. And we're going to look at the whole chapter. The Word of God says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into, the, into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Verse 15. What then? Are we to continue in sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. 
Now I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented yourselves as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word and we ask that you would be with us this morning as we look at your word, that you would give us understanding of it, that we would see uh, this new life that you have for us, this transformed life that you have for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. Father, let us not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of our minds, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would strengthen our faith, and that we would come to know you in an even realer sense from having looked at your word this morning. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. And so dear friends, we need to understand today that what this passage tells us ultimately is that God's grace transforms you. That God's grace gives you a new life. And Paul in this passage tells us three reasons why that's true. Three reasons why God's grace transforms us. It doesn't just want us to just live in the same old life we once lived. That God's grace really does transform us, making it where it makes no sense to live our old life. Because now we have a new life in Christ. Uh, The first reason we see is that you have died with Jesus. The first reason that God's grace leads to this new life is simply that that you are united in the death of Jesus. Uh, when, When He died... You died. Your old self, your old manner of life, your your old self that Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and 2, suppressed the truth of God. Romans 3, your old self that did not seek after God. Romans 8, your old self that was hostile toward God and unable to keep the law of God. Your old self that had no desire to follow God was crucified with Jesus Christ. Notice in verses 3 through 8, Paul writes, verse 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, verse 4, with Him by baptism into death. That's a picture of what baptism is, right? You are immersed under the water to symbolize the death and burial of Jesus Christ. It points to the death of Christ. And so through our faith, we're united to the death of Jesus. And we're buried with Him, united to Him in His death. Verse 5, once again we see we've been united with Him in a death like His. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we know that we also will live with Him. We see in this passage clearly that when Jesus died, if we have trusted Him, 
We have died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. When Christ was buried, we were buried. When He died, we died. Our old self, our old manner of life, our old self that hated God and was hostile to God, the old man who we once were, was crucified with Jesus. And by faith, we are united to Christ and to His death. We were without hope. We were without God. But now that hopelessness and the absence of God was crucified with Christ. Our old self is gone. And so God's grace leads to a new life because that old self is gone. It doesn't have rule over us anymore. It doesn't have dominion over us anymore. Before Christ, we have no desire to keep His law. We have no desire to follow Him. We have no desire to be a part of His family. But that old manner of life was nailed to the cross with Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, He wasn't just dying. He was. He was dying. But He took our sin on Himself. Our old self on Himself. And died with it. For us. Our old self was crucified on the cross. That's one reason why we have this new life in Christ. is because our old self has been crucified with Christ. But Jesus didn't say dead, did He? He's not in the tomb. Not, we can't go over to the Middle East around Jerusalem and find a tomb with Jesus in it, can we? He's not there. He's alive. He's risen. He arose from the grave. And so just as Christ died... And He has rose again. And we know that we have died in Christ. We know that we will also live with Christ. And that's reason number two why we know that God gives us a new life. That we have a transformed life. That it doesn't make sense to continue in our sin. Because we now live with Jesus. Not only has our old self died with Jesus, we now live with Him. We're united to His life. He has this resurrection life and we now live in that resurrection life. And we know that one day when we die, we will raise and we will be with Him. But that's not when eternal life starts. Eternal life starts the moment that you have trusted Christ. That's when it starts. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that gave life to your dead spirit. Ephesians in chapter 2, you once were dead in your sin and in your trespasses, but God made you alive by His grace. And so the same power that has risen Jesus from the grave is the same power that now lives inside of you that has given you spiritual life, that has united you with the resurrection of Jesus. In verse 4, chapter 6, verse 4, We were buried with Him, therefore, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see how the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is applied here to us having a new life? Just as we were buried with Him and He was raised from the dead, we too are raised to walk in a new life. And then in verse 5 we read, If we've been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. There is a day coming where if the Lord 
doesn't come back first, we are going to die. We are going to stand before the face of God. But then there's a day coming when our bodies will be raised and we'll have a new glorified body and we will be reunited with our bodies. We will have this physical resurrection. But we need to understand that if we've trusted Christ, we've already had a spiritual resurrection. Our spirit is made alive with Christ. And so in verse 8, we can claim this truth that if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with Him. Verses 10 and 11. Man, he's just all about this, ain't he? He's all about God wants us to be sure that we know that we know that we know that we're alive in Christ. Because we see once again in verses 10 through 11. For the death he died, the death Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So also must you consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So you can clearly see that we have died with Christ, but now we live with Christ. We are alive in Christ. And baptism, like we said, is a picture of this. That's the picture that Paul paints throughout this whole thing is that when we're baptized, we are buried with Christ. Our old self is united with Christ and we're risen to walk in a newness of life, symbolizing our unity with His death and with His resurrection. Our old self was left in the grave, but our new self has been risen and is saved. We are alive with Christ. And so we know that we have a transformed life and a new life because one, we died with Christ. Two, we live with Christ. But not only that, we also know three, that we have been set free. That we have been set free. God's grace leads to a new life because we are no longer enslaved by our sin. We're no longer enslaved by the effects of sin. We're no longer weighed down by our sin. We are set free. As we look starting there in like verses 15 down to the rest of the chapter, what Paul is doing is making this argument that you are a slave of whoever you obey. And then he says that apart from Christ, before we trusted Christ, we obeyed lawlessness and sin and, and just rebellion against God. And that proves that we were slaves of our sin. We were enslaved to our lawlessness. That sin had dominion over us. And the end of those things is death. And so we look there in like verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So we once were slaves of sin, and we know that leads to death. But then notice verse 17. But thanks be to ourselves because of how great we are. Is that what it says? No. Thanks be to who? God. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. In other words, that it's no longer just in your mind, I've got to check this off so I can get it get right with God. No, it's now I have a want to. I have a desire to follow God. Let me ask you, do you have that desire? 
Do you have that desire to glorify God with your life? Do you have that desire to serve God with your life? If so, thank God because He is the one that has set you free. And for some of us, we need to understand that, that some of us are going to have this great desire and some of us are going to have this small desire. And throughout the course of our life, it's going to kind of ebb and flow. Sometimes we're going to have this strong desire for the Lord and want to serve Him faithfully and live obedient. And other times, other times, honestly, we just want to do our own thing. It kind of ebbs and flows. But God's going to give us that desire to follow Him because He makes us by His Spirit become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Notice what it says. It doesn't say to the standard of teaching that's, that is taught by other people. It doesn't say to the standard of teaching of, well, you know, if you're going to go out dancing a rollerblade and you're in sin, how crazy is that? Anyways, it, you see what it's saying, though? It's not legalistic. What is it? To the standard of teaching. Well, what's the standard of teaching? What's the standard? Is it our opinion? No. Our opinions don't matter. God's Word matters. And so we have become obedient not to what people tell us. We have become obedient to what the Word of God has told us. And so thanks be to God that we who were once slaves to sin had by His grace been set free from that and been come obedient from the heart. Friends, someone, I, I believe someone needs to know this, that you're no longer entangled by your sin, that the grips of fear and despair have no power over you anymore, that, that, that you are no longer trapped by trying to measure up to people's expectations, that you are no longer enslaved and hooked by the grips of your own desires and lusts, that the things of this world that stress you out don't have power over you anymore because you have been set free. You have been set free to live a new life. A life that honors God. A life that glorifies God. Sure, you're going to still struggle with things. But you're no longer identified by those things. You're not identified by your sin. You're identified by Christ. You're identified by what He has done for you. So you're no longer a people pleaser. You're a follower of God. You're no longer an addict. You're a follower of God. You're no longer an angry, frustrated person. You're a follower of God. Sure, you still may struggle with those things. But that's not your identity. You have been set free in Christ. For whom the Lord has set free, you shall be what? Free indeed. Friends, I hope from this passage that you have at least seen that God's grace leads to a new life. Because this new life that we have, we have because we have been united in the death of Christ. We've died with Jesus We've been united in His life. We have a new life in Him. And we have been set free from our sins. And this means that for each of us, the, the normal trajectory of our life should be that we are growing toward Christ-likeness. That's the idea that we are becoming more like Jesus. But sometimes we have this kind of mental image in our mind that my life should always be up and to the right. All right that, or I guess for y'all's direction, up and to the right. That we always think it should be up and to the right. That there's not going to be any ebbs and flows. That I'm just going to grow spiritually more and more and more. And then when I have those low moments, I, I get discouraged. But friends, 
Life is a bunch of ebbs and flows. Your spiritual growth is not going to always be up and to the right. You're going to have some valleys. And those valleys are going to be caused by the pains of this world. They're going to be caused by your own sin. And it's going to cause your faith to falter. But you know what? It's in the valley that God meets us the most. There's a reason why we have Psalm 23 that says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It is in the midst of our sin, it's in the midst of our lowest points that God meets us where we are. Jesus included the prodigal son in Luke 15 for a reason. Because his son was far off, squandered everything, had nothing to do with the father. And then he turned back and who was already waiting for him? The father. Guys, we're that prodigal son and God is the Father who stands there to meet us where we are and bring us out of that valley and back on to the mountaintop. So yes, our life is going to have some valleys, but God is in the process of bringing us up out of those valleys to the mountaintop. And so yes, the normal trajectory of our life is going to be up, down, up, down, up, down, 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 up, down, up, 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 down, up, down, up. But God's going to carry us through the whole way so that we become more like Christ. And so as we devote ourselves to loving God through worship, to loving people through using our gifts to serve, through gathering together in groups to grow spiritually and reading His Word in prayer, God is going to make us more like Jesus. Our spiritual growth, our, our Christ-likeness, is something that honors God, but it's something that we cannot do on our own. Yes, we put in effort, but the Lord Jesus Christ does the work inside of us because we have a new life, a spiritual life with Him. If you are in Jesus, if you have trusted Jesus, you need to know that you died in Christ, that your sin is dead. You are dead to your sin. It no longer has power over you. It no longer has dominion over you. You are not forced to walk in its grips anymore because you live with Jesus. You have new life in Christ, resurrection life. And this new life is given to you by the grace of God that transforms you and makes you new. For in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You have new life. You have a new identity. You're no longer conformed to this world. You're transformed by the Spirit of God and by the grace of God that is in your life, which means sin will not have dominion over you. It will not have rule over you. So dear friends, don't lay down the fight. Don't lay down the fight. Don't give in. Don't surrender. Don't fight for the enemy. Don't fight for the adversary. Before you trusted the Lord, you fought for the opposing team. And what's worse, you didn't just fight for the opposing team. You were fighting your own best interest. You were fighting against all that God has for you. Sometimes we have this idea that God just has all these stipulations and rules because He wants to keep us from having fun. That's not what God is doing. Right? God knows 
when he gave us the Ten Commandments, that those things lead to human flourishing and God-honoring. And so we all know that our sin has devastating effects, whether we want to admit it or not. There are some sins that are more devastating than others, but we know that our sin has devastating effects not only on ourselves, but also those around us. And so when we were not following Christ, we were fighting for the other side, allowing that sin to reign and to rule and to carry its devastating consequences all through our life. But now that we are in Christ, we need to understand that sin kills us and condemns us. Therefore, we need to turn from it. We need to turn from it because God's grace gives us the strength to fight. He gives us the strength and the ability and this new life that He has given us through Him. So, devote yourself, your whole self, to pursuing Christ. Turn from sin. Cling to Jesus. There's no more fear. There's only peace. There's no more despair. There's only hope. There's no more weakness. There's only strength. You're not a slave anymore. So there's no more slavery. Only freedom. Christ changes everything. And so when you are tempted, when you're tempted to look at the situations around you and see that, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. When you're tempted with despair and it has you caged in like a bird and you feel hopeless. When you're tempted to lash out in anger and frustration and irritability. When you're tempted by the lust and desires of this world. When you're tempted to put other people on the pedestal that God alone should be. When you're tempted by fear and by any other thing that is contrary to the gospel. Know this, you can look that thing dead in the eye. And you can say you have no power here. For God has sent His Son to die for me. And He didn't stay dead, but now He lives for me. And because the Son of God has died for me and lives for me, I am free. I am free. I am free. Yes, I am free. Because the Son of God has died for me. The old me is gone. The new me is home. I am free. I am free. I am free. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have given us freedom from our sin. That You have given us this new life in Christ. Father, we are thankful that we no longer have to just go in line with the evil taskmaster of sin that seeks to condemn us and kill us, but that we have been given freedom in Christ. And so, Father, we ask now that You would let not sin therefore reign in our bodies that You would give us the motivation and the desire to turn from our sin, that we might honor You and glorify You in, in everything that we are because we know that we have a new life in You. And for those times in our life when we desire to sin and not to follow You, we ask that You would change our hearts and change our desires. We know we need Your help to do those things. And so, Father, we ask that Your Spirit would convince us of the miseries of sin that we might turn from all sin and unrighteousness in our life, that we may live to your honor 
and your glory alone forever and ever and ever. Father, thank you for setting us free. In Jesus' name, amen.